Chapter 3, 18 through chapter 4, verse 6. We're moving into verse 6 today. Can you believe it? We will not finish it today. (laughs) I don't want you guys to get over-expectant. Let's pray and then read the word of the Lord. Father, we come before you today, and I just thank you for... uh, for believers' baptism. Father, what it means to the saints. Uh, Father, what it means to the one who is baptized. And yet, Father, how it encourages all. Father, may we rest in your assurances of the amazing things that you do on a daily basis. And yet, Father, when I think about it, that we were saved in an eternity past. I think about it, we are sealed this moment. And yet, Father, it is to glory that we walk. Father, help us. We are called by your name to walk in a manner worthy, to keep our focus upon Christ and Christ alone. See the glory of the risen Lord, your power, your purposes, your plan, your privilege. Thank you, Jesus. In Christ's name, amen. Chapter 3, verse 18 through 4, 6. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, The glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we've received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the things hidden because of the shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating of the word of God. But by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, light shall shine out of the darkness, is the one who has showed in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Um, this is an amazing text, and, and, and I don't think you could ever exhaust it, to be honest with you. And it is the Apostle Paul looking in light of tremendous opposition, uh, tremendous setbacks, tremendous heartache, both physical and emotional, um, and, and then the assault on his character and his integrity. And, and yet he kind of cuts through all of that fog and looks straight in to the face of Jesus Christ because the veil has been removed. The difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. The old covenant was veiled. One person got to see God. Now we all behold as in a mirror the glory. And the glory is the attributes and nature of who is God. Who is he? What's he like? And this outline shows us, and 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 it's one of the things that I see so many struggle with, is there's a lot going on in our lives right now. I mean, as small as this group is right now, there is a lot going on. Okay, And it is easy to look at all of the things that are happening and just be flat out run over by them. I mean, I need this job or this better job or I need a job or I need this education or I need this. Or, you know what, some of us have got jobs 
and they're just so much fun anymore. You just, I just wake up in the morning with the zeal. Oh, this is going to be, whoo. Okay. As long as the rapture comes and I'm gone. <laughs> but, but, but when I look at it, I, I, isn't that the way it is? I mean, we deal with stuff. Uh, we have things in our houses that break, our cars break down. We have all kinds of goofy stuff that just happens out of the clear blue. And it's just that quick. What are we looking at? Well, but if I had this, or if I had this relationship, or if I had this, fill in the blank. And the Apostle Paul says, it is all minutia. It is all dung. Because I have the privilege to look into the face of Jesus Christ and behold the glory of God in the person of Christ. There's not a person in this room that I can say honestly cherishes the privilege that you have a Bible. Well, oh, that's offensive. No, it ain't. Most of us have multiples. You know, I got some on my computer. I've got some that does this. I got some that does that. But if you get into a bind, all of a sudden your day gets overbooked. You ever had one of them? One of them, uh-oh. All right? Does the Bible get pitched first? I don't want to read. I'll just meditate on it. That's what I'll do. I'll think about what I read yesterday. I mean, people say, well, I, you know, if you want to make a small crowd tonight, we'll have a prayer meeting. You ever thought about what that is? We're going to sit and talk to God. And yet people are like, I don't really want to do that. Why? Why? You ever thought about it? We're going to pray. Well, go ahead. I'll pray at home. And yet the Bible says pray without ceasing. That I... It is amazing to me because the, just the single privilege of being able to look at Scripture so I can see the glory of God manifest in the person of Christ, then all of a sudden everything around me, it really isn't that big a deal. And don't we get into them. Well, you just don't understand. You know what? Sometimes I don't. When you've preached on these eight points and you've looked at them as long as I have over the last six, eight months, you know what? You're probably right. S sometimes I don't understand. And yet, being indwelt by the person of the Holy Spirit, the privilege of having Scripture, and then the privilege of being in a body of people who have the same focus on the person of Jesus Christ. Really? Everything else sort of gets a little. Not so big. Not so important. Verse 18 in chapter 3 said. Because it's a look that's clear. Why? We with unveiled face. It isn't hidden. It isn't a shadow. It isn't an allegory. It isn't. Well maybe. I remember talking to a. Jewish rabbi in Jerusalem, that'd be a good thing to have there, wouldn't it? Um, 
and he had the synagogue across um, the plaza from the Wailing Wall, the Western Wall. And we were talking um, about Messiah. And he was telling me the the great understandings of Messiah from a Jewish perspective. And their conclusions are is that it's it's ages. Messiah is if you are in a an age of having and blessing, then you are in a messianic age. And I said, Well, your Bible kind of teaches that it's a person. He said, well, normally what will happen is is a person or persons will set up the stage that allows that to be a messianic age, similar to when King David ruled in the oneness of Israel. And but what they're doing is, is instead of saying that this is a reality and this is a truism, it's sort of a mystical thing. It's veiled. It's veiled. All right, you know what? You and I don't have that. It ain't veiled to me no more. I can see it. All right? The key is, am I willing to humble myself to bow before this book? Because as I do, then I will behold in a mirror the glory of the Lord. And then I find out that this clear look all of a sudden begins transforming me. Much as the letter I shared with you from Russia, he drank and drugs a lot. But now he's drastic in his change and his physical appearance has changed. You know what? I have had the privilege to be with some amazing people who love the Lord Jesus and were in the midst of horrific travail. And they never stopped smiling. And they just, it's all right. It's no problem. And you're sitting there looking at some of this. And other people just look at you. Well, I don't know. They're in denial. What are they doing? Volume? What's up with that? No, man. They just look at it. And they say, no. Cruising along. It's not that big a deal. Why? Because I keep getting up looking into the face of Jesus Christ. And it transforms people that you don't see them worry. You don't see them struggling. You know, and they can be going through stuff that you would never even dream of, but they never manifest it. Why? I'm still looking at Jesus. I mean, you think about it. You know, you're looking to a surgery. You're looking to a test or you're looking to some health issue. You immediately are going, oh, no, no, no. What are you looking at? I've got several doctors right now that are, they found out I've got decent insurance and so they're wanting to get as much as they can before the new one kicks in. <laughs> that, that's the only way I can figure it out. But I drive them nuts because they don't, well, aren't you concerned? No. Do you not understand? No, I'm not concerned. I have already truly been blessed as a man. My dad never seen me drive. My dad never seen me on my first date or the prom or any of them other things. My dad died when I was young. I have seen all of this. I am truly blessed. I have no worries. I ain't concerned about it. 
Everything I'm living on right now is cream on top. Well, what did you know? Now, some of the things that some doctors think up, you're like, what? <laughs> you want to do what? I don't think so. <laughs> so who thought that up? <laughs> so, but you get this kind of stuff, and I, but you and I deal with it. There, every one of you in this room at some point is going to have some kind of medical thing that you're going to have to look at, and all of a sudden it's going to be one of those, uh-oh, what if? You know what? There's no such thing as what if. God does exactly what God wants to do, and it transforms you as you continue to look into the face of Jesus Christ. But it also is a look that strengthens. That's for one. It strengthens us. We have received mercy. Paul backs it all back down and says, you know what? Regardless of what's going on, I know how much mercy I've received. You know what? Therefore, I will not be a coward. I will not lose heart. You can't make me be chicken here. Why? I know where I came from. I know how much mercy it took to save me. And he gave it freely and willingly. And no matter what's going on in my life or what I think should be going, that's one of our downfalls is, I think this should be going on in my life. Well, duck. <laughs> okay. But no matter what's going on, guess what? I realize how much mercy. I have a series of verses that I have memorized that when things are kind of going on the south side, and it just ain't working out right. I have a staggering step of them. And it goes down and down and down. And the last one that I have memorized is the first verse that I ever memorized my entire life. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. There's the key. And all of your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Okay, because we'll sit and say we trust in the Lord, but we really want to understand. And you know what? Sometimes God says, no. No. And that will transform you. Strengthens you. But it also purifies you. Verse 2, we renounce the hidden things because of shame. There's things in our lives that even our wives don't know. And you know what? In my case, some of yours, maybe your husband doesn't know. But... Because it's shameful. I ain't saying nothing. I have people at times, they want me to come. They say, well, why don't you tell us about your life? And I said, well, I was a sinner. Well, tell us. And what they want is details. You know what? Why do you want to know that? I was a very bad man. So what? You know what? <laughs> Some say I still am. But... <laughs> All right, but, but do you know, I don't care about that. That's in the past. Let me tell you what's going on now. And let me tell you, I would like to share it with you now because I don't want you to have to take the path I took. It's not nearly as fun as you think it might have been. But I watched that because there are things that I've done in my past I'm ashamed of. You don't, well, let me boast of my evil. Okay, but yet you get people who get into that mindset and, well, I want to do this. Or, no, no, I'm not interested. You know what? You want to hear my testimony? This morning I got up, I read the word, and I felt like I stepped into the heavenlies. I kept thinking, wow, 
to be in his presence is going to be in a place that there is no sin, no effective sin. Well, but I want to hear your testimony. That's my testimony. Wait till tomorrow. That's my testimony. Well, but what about your past? What about it? I was a sinner saved by grace. Oh, by the way, so are you. And you know what? It isn't the degrees of our sin. But I thought about heaven today. I was like, oh, man, I just don't get it. You know, I used to be hung up on the streets of gold. Okay, I mean, I used to, man, I mean, who cleans the streets? <laughs> I mean, do they have like street sweepers? What? Um, I'm not hung up on it anymore. I'm still trying to figure out no sin. I, what? No sin. You know what that means? There are no dentists. There isn't. And ain't nobody got a camera that says, we want to take this camera and look. Uh-uh. No. See what I'm trying to get at? You and I, everything you know, everything you've ever experienced is touched by sin. Heaven isn't that way. That's my testimony. And then tomorrow I'll, I'll deal with more. Because that is the love of truth. We do not adulterate the truth. This is what it says. Now, listen, I'm not trying to tell you that, you know what, as soon as it says that I'm perfect at adhering to it, because if a person says that, run away from them. Okay, I read it and I do the same thing that everybody else in this room does. Why? <laughs> I thought I was saved. That seems like an awful dumb idea. But I do the same thing. But the underlying thing is, is that you and I, as the Apostle Paul, had a love for truth. Why? Because it is the person of Jesus Christ that is truth. What I've learned the hard way, and some of you have, is that there's times that he says, this is the way to do this. And it's only perfect. And yet you and I come up with a, but if I do this then I can shortcut it and come around the corner as you take off around Mount Sinai. Okay, and then if you're really good at it, you can do it for 40 years and chase it. Okay, because God says, you know what? I designed this. I planned this. This is my creation. I know how it works efficiently. Well, there you go. I, I mean... I don't even it's it's when I think about God and how he has made everything. I stand in awe. They launched the uh, last space shuttle. Uh, and I always pondered that thing because on the outside of that, those two solid fuel rockets are strapped to this huge gas tank. <laughs> And I always just look at it and I thought, dude, that seems kind of stupid. <laughs> it's sort of like, here, let me run my exhaust pipe through my gas tank. Um, but it's obvious. Most of the time it works. You know, but you still, there's that part of it. You sit there and go, huh. I, whew, I, I don't know. I, I remember when they launched Mercury. And that was a ballistic missile with a man on the end of it. And you're sitting there going, 
Well, that's usually a targeting thing. (laughs) Oh, yeah, but he'll come back. All right. And yet I watch what God does with molecular DNA, chromosome, and space. And you sit there and go, huh. One thing I know for sure about God, he's a planner. But you can do that when you're not bound by time. There's a love for truth. I showed you that it's a privileged love. Or a privileged look, three and four. The gospel is veiled to those who are perishing. They can't see it. You share it with them and it's just... They can't see it. Then he sees there in verse four, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they may not see it. So you've got two things going on. Their unbelief has got them veiled so they're perishing. And the God of this world keeps it that way. That's his goal. I watch people, you know, if you have a love of truth, all right? Let's stop right on that one for a second. If I have a love of truth, then God's word is truth, all right? So you go back to the question. I do not want or a believer marrying an unbeliever. Why? Well, if the God of this world is running the system and he has their soul, you really want to be with them? I don't want to be with them. Really? And do you really believe that you have some kind of cleverness or system or ability that you can change that i had a discussion actually just last night and the the father had allowed his daughter to marry an unbeliever and but he says he's a nice guy he's an unbeliever well but you don't understand i said no well let me be really straightforward about this he serves satan well but no 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 he is a slave to lucifer now then you took one of god's sheep and said here be together be as one They probably won't ask me back to speak anymore. But it's, it's, it's that simple. Well, well, but that seems well, he has potential. <laughs> All right. Do you understand what I'm trying to get at? Why is it designed that way? There are two gods in this place. One of them is evil and hates the other. And the other one came, says, I'll die. So because you guys ain't smart enough, to find me with both hands and a roadmap. And why would I ever be involved in that? You know, I have people who call a church on a regular basis. Do you do weddings? I have. Well, would you do? No. Well, what if I go through counseling? <laughs> you ain't got that long to live. Well, normally it's six to eight weeks. All right. 
Well, how long's your counseling? Mine never stops. And so they walk away. Well, I can't believe it. you're just being a Baptist. That's me, baby. Baptist Bible thumper. There's a privilege of being able to look at the face of Jesus Christ and see the glory of God because the veil has been removed because the old covenant is fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ and then the God of this world, you are ripped out of his hands and you are placed into the hand of God Almighty who only created existence and therefore nothing in creation can separate you from the love of God. That's the privilege. Because of that privilege, it humbles. Verse 5, we do not preach ourselves, but Christ. Do we understand what that means? We do not preach ourselves. Okay? It doesn't mean that you don't use personal illustrations. That is not what that text means. But we do not preach our cleverness. We do not preach human wisdom. We do not preach human methodology. We do not preach any of these things that man thinks will work. Why? Because the God of this world owns the system. And anything you plug in, guess what system it comes out of? That ain't rocket science. But I want to look at this last one. It's a look that is granted sovereignly. Um, You know, as I was going through this outline about 12 years ago, you know, I was thinking, how, how does this lay? It could be a look that causes... Uh, that is a cause of thanksgiving, a look of thanksgiving. Paul's in the middle of trouble. He's in pain, heartache. No matter what he was done to the apostle Paul, he always was overwhelmed with gratitude. Look what it says. For God who said light shall shine out of the darkness. He understood that. He understood that. Ministry's tough. This letter, Second. Corinthians is ministry. What is ministry about? I mean, I know what a lot of people think it's about, but they are so wrong. Well, you know, there's just certain places that you suffer. That's not what Paul told Timothy. And you know what? In Paul's life in ministry at this point in time, he's getting hammered. I mean, physically, he's only been stoned and beaten. <laughs> um, in trouble in the countries, robbers, natural disasters. He's been shipwrecked three times, one night overnight, hanging out in the Mediterranean Sea without a life preserver. Try that. He's been whipped. But he's also dealing with people who says he's in the ministry for the money. Or maybe he's doing it for sexual favors. You know, maybe it's hidden life of shame and he just keeps it covered and acts like he's a religious man, a man of God. So they're attacking him physically, but they're attacking his character and his integrity. And it's unrelenting. Someone said it is as if they are assassinating his character. It's similar to a phrase I heard once that there must be a character flaw. And I always thought about that phrase. I thought, yeah, yeah, show me a human and I'll show you a character flaw. Okay, because if you don't have a character flaw, you don't need Jesus. Paul was being attacked on every level and they were trying to destroy him physically and his ministry. 
And even in the Corinthian church, the false had come in and were lying as much as they could, trying to sway him. See, if you destroy the credibility, if you destroy the integrity of the preacher, then you've destroyed the message. And you don't have to sit there and say, Paul, doesn't this bother you? Doesn't this depress you? Maybe even, Paul, you're borderline spiritual burnout. Paul could say, no. No. I just look at the face of Jesus. Let's just look at the face of Jesus. That's it. That cruise on. As I look into the face of Jesus, Paul will tell you, he's thankful just for the fact that he can look into the face of Jesus. That's what I'm trying to get to you. Do you cherish that book knowing that it is your only tool to look into the face of Jesus to see the glory of God? That should be the overwhelming privilege in every one of us' lives. Just the fact that I can. And I should be consumed by it. Now, I want two things in this text that really just jumped out at me. And I'm just going to get the one today. Paul understood that no matter what was going on, In his ministry, no matter how hard it was, no matter how much it broke his heart, he was doing it by the sovereign power of God. Okay? Because there in verse 6 it says, who said it? God said, light will shine. Out of darkness. No matter what's going on in our lives, the overriding reality is the lights on. And guess what? None of us had anything to do with it. God turned the light on. I can see the face of God. I can see the glory of God. In the person of Jesus Christ. It is the pure goodness of God. That's why we preach Christ. That's why I do what I do. You know, that's all. I stand up here and talk. That's it. Let me tell you about Jesus. Crucified, risen, Lord. That's it. I got no bells, I got no whistles, I got no, is everybody got to take a lot of dancing horses. I can't make any explosions, I can't make any special effects, I do not have a lightsaber, and the force is nowhere around me. We are simply slaves for Jesus' sakes. That's it. Just a slave. Because God must turn the light on. See, there's no sense in preaching oneself. Okay? They're, they're, they're exalting human wisdom? Really? But I thought God turned the light on. Exalting technique? Exalting abilities? Talents? Let me tell you something. You can be the most talented, able, wise person that's ever walked the planet. If God don't turn the light on, they're in the dark. <laughs> And you can't get them out of it. 
You look at cleverness? Really? I'm going to be clever enough to turn the light on in a blackened heart in a system that wants it to stay black. Really? I'm going to do that? I know some right now who see self as the source of people's response to the truth. If I don't do it, how will they? I got news for you. You can't do it. It's impossible. Who responds? You really believe that the response to the Lord Jesus Christ is based on how clever you are? I've heard people say, I shared the gospel. They didn't say the sinner's prayer. I think I messed it up. (laughs) You can't. It's impossible. Paul, in this text, as we should know, one thing. There's only one who can turn the light on. And it is God. And it is God himself. Now, this is a fascinating text. When I I first roll into it, you just kind of... For God who said light shall come out of the darkness. Okay. But it's amazing because he quotes scripture to say that. He goes back a few years. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void. And darkness was over the surface of the deep. The spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. Hmm. It is God who said light will come out of the darkness. Remember, it was formless and void and darkness covered it all. And God says, let there be light. You know what that is? That would be creation. Creation. That is the moment of creation when God said, turn the lights on. The God of creation is the one who has shown in our hearts. He spoke light into being. <laughs> Think about it. Let there be light. Poof. There's light. You know what's weird? There's no planets. There's no sun. It's formless and void and water and it's dark. And now we got light. The same God of creation who turned the lights on physically is the one who turns the lights on spiritually. That's the point of this text. God said, let light come out of darkness. Well, I think you're stretching that. Really? Check out 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5. Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, what? Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. You know what they call that? A new creature, a new creation. It's creation. You know what's amazing about me? I can't create nothing. There is no preacher, there is no teacher who can create anything. If it's going to be a new creation, who does it? 
God does. God said, light will come out of darkness. I don't care how clever a person is, spiritual life is a creation by creator. Okay? When Adam partook of the fruit, he literally died spiritually at that moment. He, he thought he could hide from God. You have no cleverness, no system, no abilities, no talent that you can turn that light on unless God does it. Because there's only one creator. And his, he created the physical light. He creates the spiritual light. Same God who said light out of darkness is the same God who created the physical light is the God alone who creates the spiritual light. That's why when a person comes to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and they are redeemed, then God turns the lights on. You can't do it. It's impossible. The same God who created the natural light is the same God who created the supernatural light. Same God. Salvation, redemption is a divine operation no different than creation. No different than creation. Spiritual darkness, men and women of all ages are covered, their minds are covered in darkness unless God shines the light on them. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Who did it? God did. Give thanks. I give thanks. Why? He delivered us. God alone removes the darkness. I don't understand why we struggle with that. It's, it's like if I share the gospel with somebody and then they tell me I'm an idiot or I can't believe you're foolish enough to believe something like that. Or they say something, you don't get the response that you think you wanted. All of a sudden, I just ain't going to share that gospel no more. Well, dude, what did you think you were going to do? You really believe that you have the ability to turn the light on? I hate to break the news to you. I don't even know where the switch is. I can't turn it on. I don't know. I was listening to a guy, very precious saint. He's in, in heaven now. His church was at 155522 57th Avenue, about seven blocks away from the World Trade Center. Okay. And if you've ever been to New York City, what an interesting place. New York City never shuts off. And he had a church downtown. I mean, we're talking downtown. And at night, his messages were always evangelistic because the streets are still packed. And people would be partying or doing whatever. And every once in a while, people would stumble in there. And he had a guy come stumbling into one of his evening Sunday night messages. And he was teaching on Jesus riding the colt of a donkey into Jerusalem. Okay? So he preaches this message and asks if anybody wants to make a profession of faith that Jesus Christ is Lord. This guy stands up and raises his hands. And he says, on a text of Jesus riding the colt of a donkey, 
into Jerusalem. That's how you got saved. Guy was a horse trainer. He said anybody who could take a colt and mount it without weaning it from its mother has got to be God. Colt of a donkey is not exactly the text I would think is evangelistic. <laughs> but see what I mean? I don't know where the switch is. And, and Dr. Olford sits there and he goes, I never seen anything like it. So it was awesome. He says, that guy completely changed. He got off the alcohol and everything. He says, when the church doors were open, he was there. But he was a horse trainer. And he said, no, no. Anybody who can take a colt and take it away from its mother and ride it has got to be God. See, God alone removes. Remember, the God of this world has mankind in his grasp and only God of creation can remove the God of this world's grasp on people. He removes the veil of the perishing and the unbelieving, those who are under Satan. Only the power of the creator. A text that you're all very familiar with. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. And those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. Jesus read that in the synagogue in Nazareth. And he says at the hearing of these words, this text is fulfilled. Light of the world is by him. And he is the light of God. God alone turns the light on in the hearts of man. <laughs> and it, it should rock your universe. For God said, light shall shine out of the darkness is the one who's shown in our hearts. If you look at the creation event and you look at the redemption event, guess what? Both works of God. The light of creation has become the light of salvation. The light in the heavens is now the light in the heart. The light in the physical is now the light in the spiritual. The light of the sun, S-U-N, is now the light of the sun, S-O-N. The universal light has now become the personal light. When sovereign God turns on the light... By the proclamation of truth, God is the one that makes the light known. Okay, look what he says. Want to show the light in our hearts and give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Okay, what is this light? What is this light? Next week. All right. Do you, do you see that? Or did you guys all know this already? And, and I'm like, wow, man, dude, he spoke the light. He's speaking of the creation event and now it's salvation. That's kind of where I was. I was like, oh, this is amazing. These are the things that you and I need to stand back and in awe and understand. How can I be cowardly? How can I be cowardly? Why would I be afraid of anything? The same one who only spoke light into existence is the same one who has turned light on in our hearts that we may have a knowledge of Jesus Christ. Do we see the privilege? To be yanked out of the hand of Satan? 
That's amazing to me. That is amazing to me. Anytime that you're dealing with tough stuff, ask yourself a simple question. Am I looking into the face of Jesus Christ and the sovereign power of he who spoke existence into being? I don't care what it is. Listen, there's awful stuff out there. I know, I know, I know. But I can always stop and say, Jesus, go fear. He saved me. I understand his mercy. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And thank you for the amazing things that you do. Lord, may we... uh, May we rest in the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Help us. Help us to embrace it. Help us to be overwhelmed. Father, help us to understand this privilege. But Father, help us understand that uh, there is a limit. And Father, there is a fullness of the Gentiles when the church will be taken. Lord, I pray. I pray for everyone who has ears to hear. Father, they'll be overwhelmed and they'll rest in the assurance of the amazing things that you have done. Father, that uh, your faithfulness even to this day will only carry us on to the future. Help us, Lord, walk steadfast to your glory and praise. Amen.